Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. You are listening to Linux in the Hampshire. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello and welcome everybody. You have tuned in to episode number 332 of the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet, Linux in the Ham Shack. And we are bringing you on the night before St. Patrick's Day, as we record this, a short topic episode, because that's what we do every other week. And bringing you that short topic episode is the usual cast of characters. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD. And I guess we have to start. So, <laughs> so first of all, if you're already sick of everything you've ever heard about COVID-19, COVID-19. <laughs> just wait, there's more. <laughs> well, well, we, of course, are going to start off with that, too. And hopefully, you know, a year or two down the road, when somebody listens to episode number 332 of this program, they'll look back and have a good chuckle and whatever but think about how paranoid and freakish (laughs) right right now in the middle of it it all seems like a really bad deal (laughs) it's just a bad dream we're gonna wake up soon yeah exactly. certainly (laughs) hope so anyway our lead topic for tonight of course deals with covid19 and the fact that dayton hamvention has been canceled along with everything else the Hamvention Executive Committee has been monitoring the COVID-19 pandemic. We have worked very closely with our local and state health departments. It is with a very heavy heart the Hamvention Executive Committee has decided to cancel Hamvention for this year. This decision is extremely difficult for us, but with around two months until the great gathering, we felt this action necessary. More specific details regarding the closure will soon be posted. Thank you for your understanding in this time of international crisis. And that came from Jack Gerbs, General Chairman of Hamvention 2020. And since he provided it, we're going to provide it to you. Um, I've thought about sending some words to Jack. <laughs> uh, it's truly it uh, not his fault. No, it's not his fault. No, it's Ohio. not his fault, but he is the General Chairman. <laughs> yeah, uh, he, he did provide his email address if you have comments or uh, questions about the Hamvention cancellation, and that's Jack wb8sct at gmail.com yeah and as a little side note we actually uh had a eyeball qso party set up for uh zydeco's five and just outside indianapolis and mooresville i was texted this morning by the owner of that restaurant indiana has closed down all restaurants and all bars until further notice so he's he's like by the way (laughs) we're closed and i was like well that Sucks. Well, I, so. I have to believe that would not be the case come May, but well, no, we're all hoping that, but yeah, and that's kind of why I'm sort of 
annoyed by this decision by Dara, or uh, I assume it's Dara that's uh, doing this. I, so I mean, quickly. Or yeah. so, so early. So, in the so game. early for sure. I mean, it's All like, right. it's not like they couldn't have canceled it a month from now if things were still bad. Um, yeah. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's right one of those now, things. M- w- most of the cancellations seem to be on the order of about, you know, at, on the short end, about 14 days, and at the long end, about six weeks. So, you know, we're talking two months out. I don't know. I, I mean, the only reason I personally, like, if I had something to do with it, would have waited is because you can always wait a little bit longer and then cancel. But once you've canceled an event as large as Hamvention, you can't turn around and uncancel it. Right. <laughs> so, um, I, I probably would have waited just a, a skosh longer, um, being that it's out past the current window. The, yeah, the current window of cancellations, but. Yeah, you know, I don't know. There's nothing we can do about it. It's canceled. So, that being said, um, we of course will stop taking donations for Hamvention 2020 because there isn't one. Um, we're going to roll those into our campaign for next year, and so we will only. I think we were at five hundred and forty dollars. I think is what we were at. So somewhere something in there. like that, right? So we'll all we'll be looking for next time around is the remainder of whatever would take us up to a thousand dollars we'll of course keep that money in escrow and uh we'll use it in 2021 yeah don't so. put it in the market <laughs> oh no, oh, no, yeah, no. it's definitely not going to be in any kind of account with any kind of volatility that's yeah. for sure russ's 401k is getting raped on a daily basis oh yeah. So. yeah they all are they'll come back though yeah that's what i'm hoping <laughs> so anyway um so there's that and Stay tuned because I think I sort of just came up in my head with what we're going to do with the coffee thing that we were talking about. Um, but we'll announce what we're doing with that in the next episode, not this one. So you're going to let Bill and I in on this sometime too, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sometime <laughs> between now and that. In that, gotcha. You, you, okay, you, yeah. <laughs> so. As long as we're all on the same page. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, Hamvention has been canceled, just like life at this point. Um, <sighs> yeah, because apparently people in power don't understand economies. Um, so, you know, it is what it is. So enough about COVID nineteen. Let's move on to for now at least. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah for, now, for, for today. Anyway. <laughs> oh no, no, it's part of the show notes. So uh, we got more more related topics to that. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, let's move on. Let's move on to some uh, amateur radio topics that, uh, at least for a moment or two, don't involve uh, viruses. <laughs> and uh, Bill's going to tell us about some stuff he found on Reddit. Yeah, yeah. This came from a redditor, uh, Benefee. 2003. <laughs> uh, he says, uh, this is called Mastering CW This Break. He says, hi, all. I know this is a very well-documented question, but I want to get to the latest advice and opinions on learning and becoming fluent with morse code now that i have a few weeks to practice every day just like the rest of us i've attempted it quite a few times over the past couple years but i've never really gotten to the point where i can retain what i'm hearing i can send code pretty fast without thinking about it i can copy the code at decent speed although not fast enough for people to hear on the radio today but i feel like i'll never be able to decode uh, from memory if I keep practicing with pen or paper or typing. Does anyone have any advice for practicing and retention? Thanks. 
And of course, uh, a lot of people uh, came up with some uh, various things in the thread, like uh, uh, learn Morse code online, the LCWO or something like that. <laughs> you also have the CW Academy. And uh, there's a, a link to the uh, uh, Zen and art of radio telegraphy. Telegraphy. I don't know why I couldn't say that. <laughs> a, I didn't see it, so I have to do it from right, memory. Right, because I removed the word from the etherpad, so you had to yes. do it from memory. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure that's right. And, uh, yeah, and of course, uh, N0SSC has been uh, working on his 90-day uh, challenge uh, and putting it up on YouTube as he's uh, using LCWO or whatever. I can never remember the link to the site anyway. But, um, yeah, there's a ton of, uh, ton of tools out there free and available online. Uh, for uh, learning Morse code, and you know now's a great time if you're going to have some extra time working from home and uh, uh, need to practice. That's that's the best way to do it. And of course, uh, if you're going to learn it, don't learn it by writing <laughs> or typing <laughs> it down, unless uh, you're putting it into a logbook. Uh, you know, call signs, whatever. That's fine. But uh, if you're going to do uh, the uh, call sign deal, I suggest using uh, what is that QRQ? Is that what it's called? QRQ, QRQ. in Linux. Yep. Yeah, QRQ and Linux is a call sign thing. Uh, as well, um, if you use Windows, there's the Ruffs XP, uh, R-U-F-Z XP. And uh, that's a great program as well for uh, picking call signs out. Uh, so if you're just going to get into contesting, whatever. But you should try to uh, try to learn to hear the words that are being sent, you know, beyond the call signs. And uh, if, you, if you're constantly writing on paper, you're never going to get past about, uh, you know, 18 words a minute. <laughs> You're just going to – most people can't get past 10 <laughs> when you're still writing it down because you're, you're trying to translate that you know, into writing and you're missing what you're hearing at that point. Not a lot of people can do both at the same time. So uh, definitely, uh, definitely check out those different opportunities for learning uh, Morse code online and uh, the few other recommendations we gave. And, um, yeah, yeah, have fun with uh, this, uh, this break that, that you're given. Yeah, that that is the truth. We've talked about it before, and I think we mentioned it in the last program or the roundtable Q and A when we were talking about this kind of thing. You you up to up to maybe about ten words per minute, maybe even thirteen. You could stretch it to there if you really tried. You can actually copy letters and then go back and get to the words. But beyond that, you really have to hear all of the things as words and phrases, just like a language, or you're never going to get that speed. So. Hopefully these different things, uh, I know Dan in the chat room, uh, apparently put in a high recommendation for CW Academy and, uh, hopefully they'll get you past that hurdle of doing uh, pen and paper notation and actually get you, getting you to hear the phrases as they come across. That's the only way you get speed. So, all right, enough about CW. Let's move on to amateur radio homebrewing hack chat. We mentioned this, uh, a few episodes ago about a hack a day hack chat, uh, that involved, uh, Josh Nass, KI6NAZ, um, who was talking about, what was he talking about? Ham Radio Relevance? Was that the one we were, he was in? Yeah, yeah, Ham Radio Relevance. Right. So, so they're having another, uh, Hackaday Hack chat, but this one's on homebrewing and it'll be this Wednesday, which will hopefully be tomorrow as you're listening to this. Um, Hackaday says, join us on Wednesday, March 18th at noon Pacific for the Amateur Radio Homebrewing Hack Chat with Charlie Morris. For many hams, the most enticing part of Amateur Radio is homebrewing. There's a certain cachet to holding a license that 
Not only allows you to use the public airwaves, but to construct the means of doing so yourself. Taking the dive into homebrewing can be daunting, though. The mysteries of the RF world can be a barrier to entry, and having some guidance from someone who has been there, done that, can be key to breaking through. New Zealand ham Charlie Morris, ZL2, Charlie Tango Mike, has been acting as one such guide for the adventurous homebrewer with his YouTube channel. He's quick to say that his videos aren't tutorials, but they do teach a lot about the homebrewer's art. Charlie will join us for the Hack Chat this Wednesday to discuss all things homebrewing. Stop by with your burning questions on DIY Amateur Radio, ask about some of Charlie's previous projects, and get a glimpse of where he's going next. So uh, the link to the Hackaday article is in the show notes, along with ZL2CTM's YouTube channel, and a link, of course, to the Hackaday chat. So if you have some time on Wednesday afternoon, which I bet you do, <laughs> uh, you can check out the Hackaday chat and learn about homebrewing. So, uh, Cheryl, are you available to read a story? Um, I ask as you sit across from me three feet away. No, I'm not ready. Breaking the social distance barrier, but it's... There's a laptop between us. <laughs> oh, that's going to keep us safe. There you go. And a dog. <laughs> anyway. All right. What's the next story? So the next story is International Group to Reactivate Legendary VP2VB Call Sign. International Group, now in New York, will set sail to British Virgin Islands and activate the VP2VB Call Sign of Yasme fame for six days, focusing on the low bands with two stations. VP2VB was a call sign to the legendary Danny Weil, skipper of the Yasme series of sailing vessels that carried the uh, peripatetic adventurer traveled. Okay. That's that's a direct copy. So Yeah, that and, and that sentence does not make sense at all. Anyway. The peripatetic adventure <laughs> as he traveled? Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, that doesn't make sense. So, peripatetic adventure as he traveled from one DX location to another from the 50s to the early 60s. Ultimately, there were three Yasmis from 1955 till 1962, while operated from several ports of call in the Caribbean and the Pacific. The latter-day VP2VB expedition will count towards Yasmi Awards and marks the first activation of the call sign in more than 60 years. This month's de-expedition will trace Wiles' original route in the British Virgin Islands under a special license authorization to pay homage to those early years of DXing and to honor the spirit he embraced, which inspired a generation of DXers. And the information came from AWRL, and it will be in the show notes. All right, very cool. So check that out if you want to contact VB2VB. It's kind of an unusual call sign and one with some history. Yep. So shifting gears from amateur radio topics, we're going to dive into some open source, and Bill is going to tell us about... COVID-19. I <laughs> <laughs> haven't heard of this thing before. Jeez. Yeah, so uh, our open source topics, uh, almost all of them have some reference uh, to what's going on, so they're very current. Uh, this one is uh, data sharing and open source software help combat COVID-19. On February 27th, a teenager in the Seattle area was diagnosed with COVID-19. Shortly after, researchers at the Seattle Flu Study shared genomic data about his strain of the virus with other researchers on an open science site. 
Armed with that data, researchers involved with a second open science project determined that the teenager's strain was a direct descendant of the strain of COVID-19 found in an unrelated patient in the Seattle area on January 20th. The discovery was a key link in concluding that the virus had been spreading in the Seattle area for weeks. Genetic data about his, his strain of COVID-19 was uploaded to GSAD, or GISAD, or GISAD, a platform for sharing genomic data. Then researchers at NextStrain made the connection with the earlier patient. NextStrain is an open-source application that tracks the evolution of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19, Ebola, and lesser-known outbreaks such as enterovirus D68 using data sourced largely from GSAD. Podcroft and other researchers involved with the project analyzed the data shared with GSAD for mutations and visualized the results. That's how the team was able to spot the connection between the two COVID-19 cases in Washington. Because of the underlying code used by NextStrain team is open source, the other researchers could bring their own versions of the NextStrain site or use the NextStrain's code as the foundation for new projects. More importantly, it also, let, it also lets other scientists evaluate the scientific validity of Teams' work, says the contributor James Hadfield. And that came from a very nice and long article over on Wired. All right. Very cool. I don't want to sit here and belabor the COVID-19 stuff, but it's an interesting article. And what was the, do you remember the thing you found about the kid? Was this- yeah, I just posted that. That's why I was getting ready to type here. Oh. There, there is a kid, a 17 year old boy in the Seattle area that has written a website and it's ncov2019.live slash data. Um, and he's, he's calling information from the World Health Organization, the CDC, et cetera, to keep us updated about any outbreaks. Uh, and it's doing it every minute or so, uh, keeping track of all the outbreaks and stuff that they're, you know, across the United States, which is kind of interesting since the, this child in the previous article was in the Seattle area because this boy's in the Seattle area. And it was kind of funny because he, what they were doing an art, they interviewed him and they asked him how he learned to do the coding. And he said that. You know, he went to YouTube. He's like, you can do underwater basket weaving. I spent 14 hours watching YouTube videos to get the information I need. And apparently since their schools, I think he said his schools were out until mid-April at this point. Um, a group of his high school friends are helping him handle the coding, the emails that are coming in, the messages that are coming in, etc., on this website so he's like you know i'm i'm kind of glad that i'm able to do this so but so yeah i was i was trying to get that entered into the show notes real quick because it just dawned on me you know about that but so that that will be in the show notes momentarily but you know it was it's kind of cool that he 17 year old kid so it's you know i'm gonna sit down and watch some youtube videos and i'm going to write a website that helps everybody out in this situation so yeah, that's pretty cool. And since we're talking about COVID-19, again, let's uh, go with Project Open Air and the Helpful Engineering Group, who are working on medical devices such as open source ventilators to have a fast and easy solution that can be reproduced and assembled locally worldwide. They're looking for folks, and if you have any skills that you consider helpful, you can join the Helpful Engineering Group. The Helpful Engineering Group is hosted by the Just One Giant Laboratory Program. Quote, we're creating an engineering group to help in the event of a severe COVID-19 crisis. 
The idea is that a COVID-19 outbreak might produce demands that our medical system hasn't seen before. There may be shortages or special needs of medical equipment and other resources. Right now, we have engineers, PhDs, and the owner of a devices manufacturing company with a supply chain and offices in New York, Florida, and Taiwan. We probably can't build ICUs, but we could help burden medical frontline in a crisis. I'm posting because we are right now looking for doctors and nurses to get advice, particularly those with emergency room triage experience. We're also looking for other help people with experience in project management, engineering, as well as non-technical leadership skills. That's a quote by somebody who's not cited in this article. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) The website. (laughs) Yeah, it's at the website. So if you want to find out who actually said all that, uh, you can go to the link that will be included in the show notes. And we also have a link to the helpful engineering website as well as Project Open Air. You know, I actually know a uh, a geeky emergency room nurse in Springfield that would probably love to be part of this. Well, Melinda's son. So there you go. And uh, since this next one is from Reddit, we'll let Bill handle it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. If my internet connection hangs out here, geez. oh, we're <laughs> in the middle going of a horrible and thunderstorm right now. So <laughs> I'm surprised we're oh, on okay. right now. Uh, well, here we go. This is uh, open source software for smart working lives and such. And this is from redditor Z U G H Y two Zugui Zugi two Zugi two. He says hello from Italy. As you may know, COVID-19 changed our life and our habits out of the blue. Yesterday, the state released a measure saying trials can take place by remote via Skype business and Microsoft Teams. Many schools adopted Google Classroom in order to proceed with the regular schedule of classes. And in general, a lot of people started promoting online classes for free via such tools and more, i.e. Instagram lives. Uh, Workplaces, too, are using tools like Microsoft Teams. I was wondering, is there any viable alternative for these tools, not known for using telemetry, evil, uh, our lives did change, and even if it's not top, top priority, I don't think we would want to sell our privacy and even more. I know about Jammy, which I've never heard of, and do you know of any other suggestions? And of course, everybody's suggesting uh, awesome tools like, uh, let's see, a zero-tier VPN, Orchid VPN, Zulip. I've never heard of that one. Uh, that's a meeting app, I believe. Uh, Jitsi Meet, I have used that in the past. That's really good. Etherpad, well... We'll let Russ comment on that. Uh, <laughs> I don't. We don't use the current Etherpad. We use the old revisions. So. Yeah, because the the new one wouldn't do what we needed to do. Right? Pretty much, yeah. but yeah. there's there is a new one, a currently updated and maintained one, which we don't use. <laughs> right. So there's also Mattermost, which is kind of like a Slack. Uh, I guess, yeah, right? Russ uses Mattermost. Yeah, we used for to work. use uh, we used to use Mattermost at work until people above me decided they wanted to use Teams. Ick. Yeah. Uh, Signal was also mentioned, and I have, we have used that in the past for at least playing. That's all encrypted uh, chat and video and voice. And uh, what else? The big blue button. I don't think I've used that one either. I have not used that one. So, yeah. But lots of tools that are good replace, uh, open source replacements, and in a lot of cases, secure encrypted replacements for other well known commercial tools. So, Stuff is available. Check it out. Okay. Well, that brings us down to Linux in the Ham Shack. Woo woo. 
<laughs> woot woot. <laughs> um, this first one, I actually, I'm a little conflicted about it, but I'm going to read it anyway. Um, it's shortwave receiver released as GNOME Internet Radio Player. Uh, after being in development for two years, GNOME Shortwave has been in its first stable release shortly after, has, I'm sorry, has seen its first stable release shortly after this week's GNOME 3.3 desktop debut. Shortwave is a GTK-based internet radio player that supports tuning into more than 25,000 radio stations. Shortwave supports the automatic recording of songs, streaming via the Google Cast Protocol, an adaptive interface to work across a variety of devices, and integrates nicely with the modern GNOME shell desktop. Uh, the story itself came from Pharonix, and they have, they're hosted on GitLab, and I downloaded the uh, flat pack and installed it, but I didn't actually get a chance to run it because I was kind of curious to see if it actually had shortwave radio stations. <laughs> <laughs> that might be uh, not the case, but... <laughs> it may not be the case, but it's presented, at least in the name of the software, that it does. And I was kind of hoping to sort of tie this into amateur radio in the sense of having access to shortwave broadcasts. Uh, but I was not, unfortunately, able to do that. But either way, it is a Linux application. It's a part of the GNOME desktop. Uh, it is available, installable by source code or Flatpak. And if you want to just try this out, you can. It also apparently has a DVR, sort of like an automated DVR thing. So if you just tune into a station, it automatically records it for you. So... Maybe it'll be a useful piece of software for somebody, and it might even tune in shortwave. Who knows? <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, it looks like it plugs into radio-browser.info for all of its stations. So you can just go straight there and check out uh, check out the stations that have, it has access to. And some look like, uh, you know, FM stations. Some look like shortwave. Um, but, yeah, it's just another uh, aggregator of various Internet-delivered radio stations. But it looks pretty cool. So there you go. Uh, give it a shot. I'm going to give it a shot um, at some point. <laughs> it has radio in it. Come on. It, it does. It, well, yeah. That's what, <laughs> you, I'm not going to give away my secrets about how I find these stories, but uh, you know, <laughs> that, that might have something to do with it. Uh, let's see. Cheryl, you want to read a story? No. <laughs> I'm, I'm busy looking up something. Oh, for you're a lot of help. For another story. All right, Bill, go for it. Okay, weather images straight from satellite, Josh Nass, KI6NAZ, has a series called Ham Radio Crash Course, and a recent installment covers how you can grab satellite images directly from weather satellites. This used to be more of a production than it is now, thanks to software-defined radio. I don't necessarily agree with that, but whatever. <laughs> uh, the software is a venerable WX2IMG program. This is abandonware, but the community has kept the software available. The program works on Linux, Windows, and Mac. The satellites in question operate around 137 megahertz, but that's easily in the range of even the cheap SDR dongles. Josh shows how to use a virtual audio cable on Windows to connect the output of the radio to the input of the WX2IMG program. Under Linux, you can do this with Pulse or Jack very easily without any extra hardware. There is some setup and calibration necessary for the software. You'll also need the current orbital data, and program will tell you when you can find the next satellite passing overhead. Generally speaking, you'll want to you want your antenna outside, and it takes some time to post-process the data into images and audio. Audio, huh? 
Well, that's that's what the story said, and it came from Hackaday, <laughs> so maybe they don't know what the hell they're talking about. But this is uh, Josh Nass again, KI6NAZ. Isn't this, a, isn't this WeFax? It, it is, yeah. yeah. Okay. I yeah. Mean, <laughs> okay. It's, yeah, it's not, no, it's but, not but terrible. But Josh, to do. Our, our good old uh, <laughs> buddy from a few episodes ago who talked to us about oh, yeah. Henry yeah. Irrelevance, uh, put this up recently on his YouTube channel. So there's a little bit of a tutorial there if you want to. And interestingly, I wanted to, the reason, the, I mean, this isn't the reason I put this in here, but as a sort of side light to this, <clears> um, latest versions of Grid Tracker, so we got to throw Grid Tracker in here, um, also have uh, weather data now. So you can overlay a weather map on on your uh, worked all states. <laughs> That's kind of cool. And also so, lightning detection. <laughs> it also does have lightning detection. I think I might have mentioned that one in a previous Yeah, episode. I think we did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but the uh, weather feature is new. So there you go. So if you don't want to go through all the, the, the trouble of setting up an SDR and downloading WeFax, you can just use Grid Tracker. <laughs> and technically, if you have an all-mode VHF two-meter rig that will tune to 137 megahertz, you can also do this with a rig and a sound card. Um, that's how we used to do it. <laughs> right. You can, you can use FL Digi because uh, FL Digi will decode WeFax. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So if you have a radio that does uh, AM on, or yeah, AM, it is AM, right? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty certain. Yeah. AM on 137 megahertz directly with an audio interface, uh, plugged into a sound card, uh, FL Digi should just decode WeFax for you. So there you go. Yeah. Don't quote me on that mode, but. <laughs> <laughs> it might be double sideband. I don't think there's a carrier in it, but that's that's just me. I don't know. Actually, I thought it was FM. Now that I'm thinking about it, uh, e- either way, I don't think. Well, yeah, I don't know if that would work out very well because then you got capture effect and stuff. I don't know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but anyway, I remember doing this with uh, just a vertical. Um, so I mean, it's easily done with you know my. I had a TR751A that would tune down there and. Uh, and a vertical and it was, it's actually kind of fun and interesting to do. So I'd give it a try. I mean, this is, you know, discovery of cool stuff that's been there is still as cool as, you know, exploring it for the first time. So, um, yeah, enjoy it. It's, it's fun. Yep. There you go. Lots of ways to get digital weather data without just going to the internet and looking at weather.com. Yeah, or just look at your phone. Oh, yeah, look at that. It says it's, oh, my God, it's cold outside. <laughs> or just going outside. Yeah, who knows? Um, all right, one more story. We have Project Owl goes open source. One of the worst things about disasters is that when, yeah, one of the worst things about disasters, like there's some good things there's good about things disasters, about it, yeah. right? Is that when well. you need help, you can <laughs> You can always find a silver lining. Come on. (laughs) Uh, Is that when you need help, you can't get it because communication links fall apart. That's when the Linux found, that's when the Linux Foundation Project's OWL's IoT device firmware comes in handy. Project OWL, Organization Whereabouts and Logistics, creates a mesh network of Internet of Things devices called Duck Links. These Wi-Fi-enabled devices can be deployed or activated in disaster areas to quickly reestablish connectivity and improve communication between first responders and civilians in need. In OWL, a central portal connects to solar and battery-powered water-resistant duck links. These create a local area network and turn these power up a Wi-Fi captive portal using low-frequency, long-range radio, LoRa, for Internet connectivity. 
LoRa has a greater range, about 10 kilometers, than cellular networks. LoRa also avoids the danger of having its bandwidth throttled by cellular carriers. Ham radio has long also served this purpose, but amateur radio emergency services personnel require training, and they may not be immediately available to help in some areas. Duck links are meant to be easy to deploy and use. You don't actually need a duck link device. The open source OWL firmware can quickly turn a cheap wireless device into a duck link using the cluster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you laughed before I could say it. <laughs> into a duck link using the cluster duck protocol. <laughs> Charlie Delta Papa. <laughs> <laughs> This is a mesh network node, which can hook up to any other nearby ducks. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, that actually came from ZDNet and a link to Project OWL or OWL will also be in the show notes. So so start cluster ducking. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, you know, you, you said something about, you know, good things about like, you know, something like this, um, you know, a disaster. Uh, didn't they say that like cockroaches and Twinkies would survive anything? Well, cockroaches for sure. Um, I, I'm thinking Twinkies will too. Maybe McDonald's hamburgers. McDonald's hamburgers for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> yep. so I, I guess a few things will survive. So, <laughs> if you want to see a really depressing movie about the end of the world, um, <laughs> <laughs> that well, it sort of goes along like taking COVID nineteen to a ridiculous extreme. What uh, you mean the path that it's currently taking? Well, <laughs> yes. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about a real, a real destination, not a perceived one. But um, there's a. It's actually a really good movie. It's called The Road, which it's one of those movies that you know. It's like when you look up The Road on Google, you get 116, you know, billion hits. <laughs> um, but just look for The Road. I think it has uh, Vigo Mortensen in it. I see. So. But it's but it's a really I mean there are lots of movies about you know the sort of the the apocalypse you know like what happens when the world falls, uh, but it's this is the one that's probably the most realistic one I've ever seen. So there you go. Uh, make sure you're like on a lot of uppers when you take it though, or when you watch it. <laughs> don't don't be like depressed and drunk or anything like that. Cause, cause you you'll kill probably yourself. kill yourself yeah. <laughs> well we don't want to do that so. Yeah. <laughs> so we were taking that recommendation off and, yeah uh, exactly <laughs> i just and said be happy when you watch it that's all in your current that's state okay. of mind i just got lectured for de- you know saying that our current economical situation is headed for the depression you didn't get like, lectured for that i was agreeing with you Oh no, you that wasn't from you. Oh, it wasn't for me. Else. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so. He's like, obviously, you know nothing about history, and I'm like, uh, <laughs> okay, yeah, because there was never a Great Depression. Yeah, apparently. So, all right, let's move on. Let's yeah. let's get to our social media roundup and Woo-hoo! some happier things to talk about. Yeah. So for this week or this time on our patrons, we have Richard Gordon, Andy Webster, Cubicle Nate, Darren King, David Jakeway, Donald Gubber, Douglas Redder, Erno Castales. Herb Garcia, John Spriggs, Peter Caffrey, Paul Griffith, Randolph Smith, Robert Pitts, Samuel Vimes, Steve Metcalf, Steve Sainer, Stephen Harp, and William Heckelman. Whew. Okay. <laughs> that list, it just gets me every time. So, uh, in a good way, too. Subscriptions. Robert Black, Randolph Smith, Robert Halliday, James Lewis, Fred Cole, Michael Burdak, Alan Wilson, Ronald Ike, Michael Conley, Steve Biella, Jim McKenzie, Charlie Brown, Dylan Angle, Johnny Kenzie, 
Robert Yerke, Bill Pieter, Darren King, Thor Wiegman, Todd Bowers, Kevin Ivey, John Clark, Bill Collins, Jeff Zimmerman, Tony Coberly, Roger Pereira, Jeffrey Boris, Michael Carey, Steve Hepler, and Michael Jobling. You know, we need to add some more names to that. Or Russ is just going to, like, do this, you know, an automated thing. And my job <laughs> is going to end. It, it so. actually has been fluctuating there's very a few, slightly. There's so. a few new names there, yeah. yeah. So, on Facebook, we had Rich Gordon and Joe Stokes join us. On Twitter, we had F4EYG, or EYQ, excuse me, at JA7CDK, and at Retro8BitLinux. Woohoo! On YouTube, we had Alan Clark, Leslie Dodd, and Mac, Matt McHellen, or uh, McElhenan. Uh, nobody joined us on our mailing list, and there were no merchandise sales this week. Well, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> We've come down to the end of the show. So we want to recognize the folks who are here with us live tonight. We had Chris, K-A-T-U-X, Don, K-B-T-Y-S-I, Ted, W-A-0-E-I-R, Tom, N-4-H-A-I, Dan, K-B-6-N-U, and Don, K-C-9-Z-M-Y. So thanks, everybody, who joined us live and was with us in the chat room talking about the various things that we've been talking about. And the folks who uh, listen to us live, whether they're in the chat room or not, and also the folks who... uh, supported our hamvention campaign until it all went wrong (laughs) and uh also for the folks who continue to support our show week in and week out we definitely couldn't do it without you so thank you very much we hope you continue to listen we'll keep you updated on uh hamvention and everything else that's going on with us and you know going on in the world i guess and uh tune in next episode to find out how you might be able to get some uh really good coffee (laughs) And something about coffee, Boy coffee, Scouts. Coffee. I'm sure. I'm sure something about Boy oh, Scouts. Oh yeah, yeah. We we managed to get through the Boy Scout without talking about the Boy Scouts, except you decided to bring it up at the very yeah. end because it's well, not you mentioned it. Jeez. Every week we discuss Boy Scouts. So, so all right, well no we're gonna go. Left out. I'm so. Russ K Five. <laughs> this has been episode number 332 of Linux in the Ham Shack. I'm Russ K Five T U X. I'm Cheryl W Five M O O. And I'm Bill Any Four R D seventy three. for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. The live show is recorded every Monday night at 8pm Central Time, plus or minus QRL. Connect to the live stream at url.bcts.info stroke LHS Live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or by using the contribute link on the homepage. Get in touch via social media. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. Our IRC channel is hash LHS podcast on the Freeload network and the Discord invite link is url.bcts.info stroke discord. 
You can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a local Linux convention or handfest. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info for more information or visit the homepage for details. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism. Hamshack logo are released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License.